This is the Weather Lounge here at Weatherworks. Hello there, everyone, and thanks for joining us for another round here in the Weather Lounge. This is a fun and informative podcast dealing with, yep, you guessed it, the weather. I'm your host, meteorologist Brad Miller, and joining me as always is my magnificent co-host, Weatherworks meteorologist Mike Mahalik. Hey there, Mike. Great to have you here again in the Weather Lounge. Hey, how's it going, Brad? And I really do appreciate the magnificent, the fantastic. It seems like every time we do a podcast, you have a different uh, adjective uh, for me. Yep, I got a list right here on my thesaurus. I can't wait for the next one to introduce you. Perfect. I love it. Um, we, got another, we got another fun topic today, Mike. No, absolutely. Um, this is going to be about weather folklore. I'm sure mm. many of you out there have heard different little uh, tidbits about nature and how uh, it shows what the winter is going to be like or, or what it may, you know, there's a lot of it out there and we have several different ones we want to get to talking about. Mike, can I, can I maybe give something away? Please tell me now, are we going to talk about the woolly bear caterpillar? Definitely talking right. about the woolly bear. Now, now, now I can't wait. <laughs> We're definitely going to talk about the woolly bear caterpillar. all I hear about going into winter. Woolly bear caterpillar. Yeah. So you have that. I mean, you have, you know, what the squirrels are doing, what the oh, birds yeah. are doing, you know, what the skin on an apple's like. There's Ooh. all kinds of stuff I've out there. i never heard of that one. Hey, yeah. Well, uh, Mike, and don't forget, we uh, we have another co-host joining us for today's podcast. It's the return of our, another one of our uh, lead forecasters here at Weatherworks. Uh, it's the one and the only Mike Priante. Welcome back, Mike. Oh, well, hello, guys. It's nice to be back here again in the Weather Lounge. Uh, very, very relaxing. Uh, if anyone remembers me, I was in the movie podcast. Oh, everyone yeah. remembers that podcast. We talked about our favorite movies, and now we're back. At least I'm back. Uh, now we're here to talk about <laughs> yeah we're always back Mike. yeah well i know you guys are always on the show every single or every other week but uh, i guess i'm back here uh whether you like it or not i'm here <laughs> well we'll be fine with it Don't i, I worry. think it's fun to have a, a few more uh you know folks talking about this uh upcoming topic weather folklores i think that's uh it's, I, I like the round table kind of discussion that we have going with this one like like we did with the movies yeah, no, absolutely, and and uh, I think we all have our our favorite pieces of folk folklore we want to talk about, and uh, I know Mike, you probably have several there. I think you even said you had a book about it, didn't you? Yes, I actually do have a book. Actually, it's uh, it's called Folklore of American Weather by Eric nice. Sloan. It's actually a fairly old book. I just took a look. It was uh, printed in the '60s, but uh, wow. it has a ton. There is probably more folklore and more sayings that you could ever imagine in this book yeah, i mean um, some of the course, folklores of course with weather i mean they go back you know into ages and ages ago thousands of years probably. oh for sure and a lot of these go back like you said brad thousands and thousands of years so we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about every single one in this book but i do have a few that i want to talk about that you know are you know more recent uh actual weather phenomenon that people may not either know about or uh you know uh might have heard and they might wonder is it true or not so yeah well, I got a couple of good ones myself, of course. So, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna do this podcast kind of like the, the movie one, where we go around the table and we'll each uh, pick a folklore that we've all done some research on, and we'll chat about it, and then we'll maybe throw in a few uh, honorable mentions, kind of like the Sharknado movie when we did the movie podcast. <laughs> we all kind of <laughs> grin and bear to with that yeah. one, but uh, you know, we'll 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 do a few of those extras at the end. But we'll, we're all gonna discuss our own here. So. Uh, I think uh, I think we're ready to uh, move on, but a uh, quick break, Mike. 
Yep. Uh, let's take a quick break. And uh, after that, we'll get right into our first topic in our folklore podcast. So please stick with us and we'll talk to you after the break. Hey, everybody. Well, how many times have you been burned by a weather forecast? Well, probably a few, and it might have cost your business thousands. WeatherWorks is different. We have over 30 meteorologists to give you forecasts, notifications, and weather advice 24-7. Now, that could certainly help when it comes down to making those crucial decisions, but there are even more products than that in which WeatherWorks offers, from weather data to historical reports. Call us at 908-850-8600 or visit us on the web at weatherworksinc.com. And oh, don't forget, when you think weather, think WeatherWorks. Welcome back, everyone, to the Weather Lounge, and our topic today is weather folklore, and I am sure a lot of folks out there have heard a lot of different things with the weather, and, uh, you know, maybe something your grandparents may have told you, something you've seen on TV. The Weather Almanac, of course, is another good source where you see a lot of folklore, uh, whether it's true or not, but uh, we're all going to pick one, and we're all going to talk about it, and we'll kind of go around the room here. So uh, let's start with uh, Mike Mahalik and... Uh, I know we talked about the woolly bear caterpillar. You want to talk about that one now, Mike, or maybe wait till later? Uh, no, let's get right into the. Woolly I bear like the woolly bear caterpillar. I think that's one of the <laughs> one of the one of the most, uh, I guess, uh, uh, heavily used folklores, or you know, that you hear everyone talking about come September, October, November. What's going on with the caterpillars? All right, so here's the deal. The, the <laughs> especially so, here in the Northeast, I mean, you hear about it all the yeah. time. So with the woolly bear caterpillar, caterpillar sorry, um, basically what we're talking about is the width of the stripes on the caterpillar. Um, they have black and orange stripes that you see typically on them. So if there is more, we're looking at the orange patch that's usually in the middle. So if that patch is a lot smaller, they're saying that it's going to be a harsh winter. Mm. If that orange area is larger then they're saying that's going to be a mild winter so that is the real essence of what is going on here and this all came about um, back in the 40s and 50s actually um, when a scientist by the name of C.H. Uh, Curran uh, took a small sample of the woolly bear caterpillars I guess he predicted a mild winter based on that so the issue with this is they tried to recreate it. Several other scientists tried to recreate it, but the accuracy rate was terrible. It wasn't even close. Um, they couldn't find any type of um, uh, continuity within right. the caterpillars, and uh, you know, and and there's a a problem with it because in the same group of eggs that hatch out the caterpillars, they can all be of varying stripe widths. No. Okay, so yeah, so it's like, oh, sorry, no, it's not as easy as a caterpillar. <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, and and also, it goes with how old they are too. The mm. older the caterpillar gets, usually the larger the orange stripe gets. Yeah, and how long do caterpillars live, though? I mean, I not very long. But <laughs> it also say, don't they just turn into butterflies or something eventually? Well, sure. But uh, it all depends if you get a young caterpillar with more black on it or right. a older caterpillar with more orange on it. Uh, so basically, you can pick up all the ones that have uh, a smaller orange patch and just say, well, it's going to be a harsh winter if you collect all those. And you can just ignore that other one right. that, that was like all orange. You know, we don't got to go with that. 
<laughs> so yeah, so basically that's that's the whole woolly bear thing. I mean, it's still kind of interesting every time I see a woolly bear, bear caterpillar and I might take a picture of it, send it to my sister or something and be like, oh, this one's kind of got a lot of black on it. We're going to have a bad winter. Um, and I just joke with her about that. But, um, you know, so that's the story there. And uh, apparently you could choose whatever woolly bear caterpillar yeah. you want to make the winter prediction that you want to make. Mm. So... so. Yeah, I, I don't know if uh, Superior's here at Weatherworks would uh, enjoy us putting our winter outlook <laughs> yeah. together based on woolly bear caterpillars. No, no, our winter <laughs> outlook has a lot more than just a caterpillar uh, to do our predictions off of. You know, where we're looking at, you know, El Nino, yeah. La Nina, sure. global patterns, water temperatures, you know, stratosphere, uh, mountain torques, uh, QBO stuff. I mean, whatever you can mention. Uh, we look at it. So. Right. So I guess we shouldn't put that in our forecast. You know, the woolly pear caterpillar says that it's going to be a bad winter here in the Northeast. However, we're going to toss aside Enso and all that other good stuff. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we don't care what all that stuff says. It might not looked upon uh, very great. I mean, what, what do you think, Mike? What does Jim think about it over there? Oh, well, you know, I'm sure he'll probably say, well, I'm out of a job, I guess, if caterpillars can uh, can, can replace my uh, long range yeah. forecasting. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. Um, but uh, yeah, so who who has their next folklore? I think we pretty much buried the caterpillar. Sorry, yeah, guys. That's uh, kinda, <laughs> I was, yeah, I was kind of looking. I was I was cheering on the caterpillar. Yeah, I kind of stepped on him. Yeah, I know. I like the name, <laughs> the woolly bear. But all right, moving on to Mike Priante. Let's. Uh, you got your book there. So uh, what folklore are you going to talk about here? Well, let's let's start off with. Uh, I know we went to uh, the caterpillar, but let's actually talk more about a little weather phenomenon that actually happens. Um, so uh, there's this saying that you know you see a halo around the sun. Have you guys mm. seen that sometimes, where you see mm -hmm. like a little rainbow around the sun? Um, mm -hmm. You know, when there's like kind of kind of clouds in the sky and it has that nice little little ring to it. Um, supposedly, the moon too, right? The moon and the moon too, it. and the moon gets it too. You're right, Brad. Mm -hmm. um, Sometimes, uh, or at least the, the folklore says that the rain or snow precipitation will be following soon after. There isn't really a, uh, I guess, uh, a direct correlation. I mean, there, so the reason why that happens, and I'm sure you guys know, basically when light refracts off the ice crystals in the clouds, basically you always will see kind of like a thin cloud, you know, hazy look to it. That's the cirrus clouds. And they're, they're made of very like fine ice crystals. And we have the light, whether it's from the moonlight or the sunlight, it always right. refracts off of that and it causes a little bit of like a bowing effect. And that's why we get, I think they're called sun dogs or, you know, moon bows. So that's why that happens. And that's not necessarily why or why the phenomenon is saying that there's going to be precipitation following that. But I did read into it. And if you think about it from a meteorological perspective, guys, mm -hmm. um, you know, you get more water vapor in the atmosphere ahead of storm. So if there is sure. some cirrus out ahead of it, could be some precipitation on the way. Um, but again, that's not always the case. So it's not a it's not a clear cut formula where if you see that you're going to get precipitation. Um, but it's definitely an interesting phenomenon that people probably have seen in the sky and wondered why is there a rainbow around the sun or why is there a weird ring around the moon? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of at least that has a little bit of weather to do with it. Not like the woolly bear caterpillar. No, <laughs> not <know>? at all. <laughs> at, at least we could come up with some type of rationale. You know, with the cirrus clouds out ahead of a storm coming up, you know, that makes a little bit of sense to me. Um, but uh, sorry, woolly bears. Woolly bears are, <laughs> yeah, they're not going to be used. But yeah, I agree with that, uh, uh, that the halo. Um, yeah, you think about it, just even a, an advancing storm, you know, clouds are 
are kind of thin and really high up and you may get that halo it kind of may create some of a, of, a, mm -hmm. of a dim sun or moon and then as the clouds get thicker the storm gets closer obviously you don't see the sun or moon anymore but uh yeah so that's a that's a, that's a good one I, i've heard that one before and um that's uh, i guess we can use that 50 50 in our forecast so we'll <laughs> we'll talk about that one too as we go forward that uh, if you see a halo around the sun you may or may not get rain or snow in the next 24 hours how about that <laughs> You know, I, I don't think our uh, storm alert clients would like no, that too much. Uh, no, I don't think they like that either. <laughs> can you imagine if we start? If, if uh, not to interrupt, but can you imagine yeah. if we we start you know basing our forecasts off of folklore? I mean, can you imagine yeah. what our clients would do? <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't have any. We'd be out of job. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's probably a bad deal. <laughs> oh man. Hey, Brad. Uh, it's up to you now. I think uh, you're up for your All right, well, piece of this one is a natural occurrence but it's not really a folklore per se it's it's something that is uh i guess not really understood completely with the general public i don't mean to say anything bad about that just they're not meteorologists but uh, and we may have talked about this a little bit mike in the uh, severe weather uh podcast but it, it, it i think it it needs to be uh repeated because uh heat lightning i think is probably one of the most uh least understood not phenomena but weather occurrences uh, especially in the summer obviously uh, but basically you know heat lightning is real lightning and a lot of folks think ah well it was 90 degrees today it was hot humid it's middle july you know ah, we get some heat lightning uh you know around eight nine o'clock as the sun goes down and it's not fireworks but there's definitely lightning in the horizon on the horizon there uh, but it's real lightning from a thunderstorm that is so far away that you can't hear the thunder and you know light travels a lot further than sound so you see the lightning in the dark sky but you can't hear the thunder because maybe it's 100 miles away the storm and, and and heat lightning really or the lightning itself you could see from pretty far away and granted you can actually have i guess heat lightning during the daytime but you can't see the lightning from a storm that's 100 miles away but at night of course as you get into like uh, you know eight nine ten o'clock even in the middle of the night you can get a heat lightning or i guess the, the phenomena of heat lightning but Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it's just something that if you want to be one of those folks that, uh, ah, yeah, somebody says, ah, oh, there's heat lightning out there. It's a hot day. No, 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 no. I learned this from the Weather Lounge podcast that, you know, heat lightning is actually a lightning that you can't hear the thunder. I, I think that's, uh, you know, I, I think we've talked about this before, but uh, it is something that happens that you just, uh, just can't hear the thunder and uh, you see that lightning so far away. But uh, I guess really not a folklore, but something that I think we always need to talk about once in a while and just mention to people, especially. Now, Brad, I have a I'm I have my book open, the book with the folklores. And oh, you're gonna prove actually, me wrong? I, no, 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 no. The opposite, actually. We have a couple of lightning folklores based off of that. Ooh. Um, yeah. yeah let, let's uh, let's uh, let's um, branch out here a little bit. Okay, sure. So so one of them is actually a funny one. So uh, it says that lightning will sour milk. Um, you know what? I may have heard that a long, long you? time ago, but yeah, that's... it's a very old folklore. So hmm. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that one. Another one is lightning in the south brings little else but drought. Hmm. In the so south, little else but drought. Hmm. Now, now well, let me ask you this, Mike. Is there ahead. anything in that book about? I've read somewhere if you hear thunder in the winter, it usually means you can get snow in the next seven days. Um. No, I mean, I'm looking at one, and apparently it says that lightning is attracted to mirrors. So be, be with that as you will. I, 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 wow. don't, I don't know why, but that's what it says. Wait, wait, in the wait, book. wait, 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 wait. 
Mike, what kind of book do you even have yeah. there? I mean, this seems a this little book, off the wall. This book was uh, written in the 1960s. Okay, so, okay. but however, a lot of these sure folklore in the 1860s. Yeah, really. Uh, <laughs> you know, it does kind of smell a little bit, so maybe it is old. I don't know. <laughs> oh. No, I know what you're talking about. Some of those older books, yeah, from like a long time ago, it has that library book smell that hasn't been oh, opened yeah. in years. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. That's yeah. basically what this is. But um, <laughs> a lot of these, are, they sound ridiculous. Like, for example, one more here. Where lightning strikes, go dig your well. I mean, nobody digs wells anymore. So this is definitely from a no, long I can time under, ago. You know what? There may be a correlation there. I can maybe think that oh, how the lightning is so? attracted to the water. And maybe yeah. the, even though the water may be, you know, a couple hundred feet below the ground, but maybe it's a tr it's attracted to the water. I don't know. No, I'm going to have to say a <laughs> hard no on that one. I mean, <laughs> we, oh, man. we know it's typically highest points and, 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 yeah. and metal objects. Uh, that's why, you know, our, our lightning rods are made of metal and put on top of roofs and things like that. So <laughs> I'm going to say hard no there. Now, now, here's something we all talked about before the podcast. Now, this one is true. If you see lightning during a thunderstorm and then you hear the thunder 10 seconds later, doesn't that usually mean the storm's, what, two miles away? Don't you divide by five? Yep. Yep. You got you got to count the seconds between the right. uh, lightning and the thunder. That, that's a wow. little bit. That's got a little more signs behind it is from what I could tell. And usually if the thunder occurs right as the lightning is basically occurring or right afterwards, the right. storm is pretty much right on top of you. So that one we can use. That one's good because it's based in science. Right. You know, we 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 know that light travels much much faster than sound. Sure. Uh, so that's why you see the lightning flash before you get the, uh, thunder, the thunder, which is basically the the air breaking the sound barrier. Is that correct too? That mm, I think it's more along the lines of the uh, the lightning actually like heats up the air. Oh, okay, right. Um, around it because it's like fifty thousand degrees or mm -hmm. something like that, and then it's it's the subsequent expanding and collapsing sure. of that air so fast that creates that sound uh, i'm pretty sure on that now that do you guys want to hear a crazy one i, oh, I just i found up and i found another one so so get ready for this uh thunder in february frightens the maple syrup back into the into the ground um <laughs> actually no there is some truth i just read this apparently so it doesn't frighten it um but it apparently it. <laughs> sap will flow into the maple tree in a very sensitive way so it you know with unseasonably warm weather i was gonna um, say you know, yeah you might have actually to have a, yeah to get thunder in february you gotta have some kind of warm air source um in, in the atmosphere so i would imagine that would make a little it, sense where yeah it's really a matter of you know it, it based on like temperature so really it's plausible but it, right. if there's a thunderstorm in february it's either during in a snowstorm or you have a warmer pattern here and there's a thunderstorm and it's like in the upper 70s or lower 80s but that's obviously a not not going to happen every single you know winter but uh mm -hmm. you know it's definitely a interesting thing that i that popped yeah, into my uh, there's a little radar. meteorological uh um, i guess uh, science behind that so that kind of makes yeah. sense a little bit well uh nice uh you know that's that's a good uh, i think start here first round of our weather folklore uh topics um yeah, I think we, we talked a lot about lightning, and we actually had you know a little bit of science behind that. But let's go back to the non-sciencey things because <laughs> oh that's, boy, <laughs> that's more that's more fun, right, guys? Um, but no, I'm just kidding. Um, but uh, I've heard that if squirrels have thicker tails, that means you will have a harsh winter, and if they have thinner, less bushy tails. It's supposed to be a mild winter. <laughs> Have you heard this one before? 
Yeah, I've heard different. Yeah, I, I guess. I've I've heard. <laughs> I don't of know it what. Before. I don't know what the 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 rationale is. Maybe if they grow a, a bushy tail that keeps them warmer. I mean, I don't know what people go off of from this, but uh, you know, maybe his book has something to say from the 1860s. Of uh, what squirrels? <laughs> let me let me take a look here. Go to the glossary, um, Mike. To the glossary. We no, go. yeah, I have a little <laughs> yeah. thing in the back, and it's like a little dictionary. The squirrels. So. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Yeah, it's S, right? So let's see. Yeah, yeah I'm looking through. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things with the squirrels. You know, if they have a lot of, uh, you see them burying a lot of. Uh, yeah, sure. Know, mm-hmm. Chestnuts and acorns. Of course, there's a little mm-hmm. belief behind that if it's going to be a bad winter. And ah. I, I do have uh, squirrels oh. here, but it's um it's not it's it's not the same one. It's different. Um, oh, apparently, you know, it's wh- wherever squirrels lay their their acorns, look for a hard winter. Wherever they laid them. So what wh- what they mean by is wherever <laughs> they bury them. I yeah. it, you know oh, this, okay. look, this is right. from the early days. It's it's gonna be different yeah. language, Mike. All right, it's not I gonna think, be. I think, I think I think we're back to the 1760s now. I... <laughs> <laughs> Um, of We're course, going back is, by centuries. But I mean, you guys have seen sometimes the squirrels can go nuts, you know, ah, burying the acorns. No pun intended, Mike. <laughs> no pun <laughs> intended. Squirrels can go nuts. <laughs> oh man, where where are we going with this? We're podcast, definitely in the weather right? lounge today. <laughs> yeah, we're going off the rails. Um, but uh, yeah, but that's what I heard about the squirrels. I mean, obviously, I don't you know think there's any truth to that whatsoever. But uh, you know. Uh, it is what it is, and uh, you know, it's always fun to to hear these nature old wives tales and and things like that. I mean, I always had my my grandfather say that. Uh, well, there's a there's a mountain where I live because I live in a valley, and there's a mountain on the north side. He said the storms always follow the mountain. Yeah. I said, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> How does the storm know what's below it? Yeah, how's the story? It's not like it's on train tracks. Yeah. Oh, there's a mountain there. I better go follow it. <laughs> if that were the case, again, we wouldn't have jobs <laughs> because everybody would know the storms go along the mountain and they wouldn't build there. So who's got something good next? Somebody's got to have something good. I think Mike, you got to have something on on tap for us. I got another. Uh, well, it's uh, it's about ants. You know, ants like the, hmm. the insect. Yeah. Um, like so- my aunt. You gonna talk about my aunt Mary Lou? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. No, actually, no. You're right. It's about actual ants, like you know, human. You know, um, but no. So when ants <laughs> travel in a straight line, guys, uh, okay. expect rain. But when they're scattering, expect fair weather, nice weather. Hmm. Is that hmm. true or false? Uh, well, I would assume the rationale would be that the ants are like more like orderly and in a line because they want to get their food or whatever and take it back to their uh, burrow or whatever it is. Um, so that would be the, the rationale I would think of it. Uh, so I don't know if that's correct, but let me uh, read to you the re so before I even say whether it's true or false, let me tell you why. So there's two sayings apparently. So they say that bugs march when the rain is near. And then they say that flies scatter in good weather. So someone thought, well, what about ants? We'll put that with both. So, um, but mm. it's false by the way. No ants mm. don't know anything about the weather. They're not meteorologists. Come on. No, of course. I was, animals I was, do sense certain things, I would think, with the barometric uh, pressure change. And, I mean, you always read about things like that. Even earthquakes, you always hear things about uh, cats and dogs. You find them on top of, like, counters before an earthquake hits. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever heard of that. I've just no. read that somewhere. <laughs> no, I've, I've heard about that. Yeah. And, and they act they act very peculiar before uh, sudden weather changes or even, uh, like, national national yeah, 
natural uh, disasters and things like that. Yeah, I have heard that. I mean, I don't know how much truth there is. I mean, you know, I can't say that when I was young, I was following my cat around every time to see if it was going to go under a a couch or something, if a thunderstorm was coming. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I just, you know, the the trouble with all these folklore is is that uh, a lot of times there's not enough research um, that actually scientifically looked at it. And a lot of times there's so many variables that it's very hard to reproduce um, that uh, exact situation. So uh, I think that's what the trouble with the folklore is. It's just, it's, it's very, I'm trying to think of a word here, but, uh, um, but uh, Brad, I see that uh, I know you had mentioned earlier about something about red sky at night, red sky in the morning, you know, what's going on with that? Yeah, actually that was something I I remember as a kid and, and kind of even got me in the weather a little bit more because I used to always ask my parents, I said, well, I think my mom used to always say that, you know, red sky at night, a sailor's delight, red sky in the morning, a sailor's warning. Yeah, I know that. And that is not always true, but it does actually have some meteorological background or science to it because you know, here in the Northern Hemisphere, um, storm systems usually move west to east. So if you have a red sky at night, basically at sunset, which would be looking more towards uh, west, west, right? Because what happens is, I guess, when the, when the sun goes down, you can see more particles in the atmosphere and, and so on and so forth. So it kind of has that reddish glow. And really, uh, you know, you can think about that any time of the year. So if you have a red sky at night that's kind of reflecting the sun, you know, off the off the clouds to the east, that means that it's clearing and you actually have good weather ahead. As opposed to in the morning, if you have red sky in the morning, that means that the sun is rising in the east and it's reflecting off the clouds to the west. So that means the clouds would be advancing towards the east during the day. So you would start out, um, you know, with uh, with bad weather actually in the morning and would move on to the east as you go on through the day. So I think that's kind of what mean is meant by all that. Um, but the only problem with that is what do you do if you're in the southern hemisphere? <laughs> Reverse itself? Because weather systems move more basically east to west in the south or in the southern hemisphere. So yeah. I guess hmm. that would be opposite. Red sky in the morning. At How would it go then? Red sky at night, a sailor's <laughs> warning? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, a reason why that these aren't uh, universal yeah. and, and don't have a whole but lot. Yeah, of basically, it means if, yeah, red sky at night means that mm-hmm. it's going to be a nice, uh, a nice next day. You know, red sky in the morning means that it's, uh, it's not going to be a nice day and that the clouds are advancing in and it's probably going to precipitate whether it's rain or snow. But that's, uh, that's kind of where that one came from. And I guess a lot of sailors, are able to use that when they're over the uh, ocean, the vast ocean where you have nothing to look at other than the sun and the moon. And, you know, you can see the clouds on the western horizon or the eastern horizon. Um, one would be exiting, one would be, you know, moving in. So that's kind of where I guess that would come from. But again, something that we don't really want to use in our forecast, you know, hey, we saw a red sky this morning, so it's going to yeah. be a, it's going <laughs> to rain. That's all we're basing our forecast on here. <laughs> It'd be interesting to see what type of forecast would result if you use nothing but <laughs> folklore. Folklore. Yo, I, actually, I was thinking uh, there's actually something with crickets too, guys. You ever hear about that? The cricket chirps and what I've the heard temperature about is? Yeah. Now, I can't remember what exactly it is. It, it was something about the number of chick- cricket chirps and you divide it by something. I, I don't know what it is. I just found it, Mike. You're, you're lucky. Oh. 
There you go. In his uh, so, book from the 1600s. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, crickets are accurate thermometers. They chirp faster when it's warm and slower when it's cold. Okay. Yeah, I've, I've kind of heard that before. No, apparently it, this book says it's true. You count the chirp for four, yeah. 14 seconds, then add 40. If you have the temperature mm. of wh whatever. So so count the chirps for 14 seconds next time you hear it. And okay. then add 40. And if mm. that's the temperature. So we got to do a little experiment, guys. I don't know. I, I don't know. I think that's a good thing to try out. The, the only thing that I've seen before, though, is you won't hear crickets below 55 degrees. So, again, I don't know really? how much science is behind that. So Okay. But still, I mean, if it's, if it's above 55 degrees, yeah. you're crickets. You can figure out, is it going to be, is it 56 or is it 70? You know, that's not a bad idea. I think that's actually something that we can test out. Yeah. Like a hot July night when it's, you know, it's like 70 out. And so they would have to chirp, what? 40, so I have to show 30 times in 14 no, seconds. In we're my doing opinion. math here, guys. It's not going to work. Let's, uh... No, no, if it's 70 <laughs> degrees, if it's 70 degrees at night on a hot, humid night, and you hear that, and you add 40 to it, so you, you would have to hear 30 chirps in 14 yes. seconds. Okay. okay. There you go. Hmm. Which um, makes sense because you think about it yeah. on a hot night, you hear a lot of chirp, 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 chirp. They're, they're nonstop. Yeah, but there's a lot of them. Yeah, that's true. You don't know if you're hearing the same cricket each time. So you got to like focus on one cricket. One cricket, yeah. So that could be a potential contamination issue yeah, with that's... the data. I got another yeah. one for you guys. What do you got, Mike? Uh, no, but you guys know this one. It's about March, the month of March. Hmm. I'm sure you guys know. In like a, a lamb, out like a lion, or in like a lion, yeah. out like a lamb. Um, like I mean, lion, you know, like I, mean, I mean, I'm sure everybody who is listening right now knows this folklore that whenever you have, you know, active weather heading into March, you know, it, mm -hmm. the, the end of the month will be a nice month. And then if it's the opposite, the end of the month of March will be, you know, a pretty stormy uh, end. Yeah. But uh, and then, of course, uh, you know, uh, was it uh, April showers bring May flowers? Yeah, sure well, we've all heard yeah. that, too, which, you know, the flowers don't care about. Well, they probably do if it's a drought. But if <laughs> there's showers in in April, you're going to have the flowers are going to come up anyway, even if there's not a lot of right. rain. But it, they just won't be as vibrant. But I mean, I can sort of see where that is coming from with the March uh, in like a line out like a lamb, because it is a transitional month. You're coming True. out of winter. You're going into spring. You're having a lot more clashes of air masses happening. Um, a lot more, you know, cold fronts, warm fronts uh, sliding through. So I can see where that saying comes. That one might be actually rooted in some sort of facts, which, <laughs> which I can get on board with a little bit better um, than some of these. All right. Well, I got one here that we can all talk about then. That's probably one of the most common ones. And that's uh, a good old buddy, Punxsutawney Phil up there. Oh, the now, man. I mentioned, of course, this movie, uh, which is probably one of my favorite movies. Uh, but uh, yeah, the old groundhog uh, phenomena with the uh, the shadow. And I, you know, I, we all know as meteorologists that it's all dependent upon what the sky condition is that morning of February 2nd. And that's the only thing that determines whether or not he sees a shadow. So, I mean... If it's cloudy and he doesn't see a shadow, that's six more weeks of winter. Am I correct? Or am I backwards here? Uh, if he sees his shadow. It's six um, more weeks, right? Yes, if he sees it. Right. If, he if he doesn't see it, then it's uh, an early spring. Right, an early spring. Um, which so basically, is... if it's sunny and cold on February 2nd in Punxsutawney, he sees his shadow, then you know we have six more weeks of winter. But if it's cloudy that morning, then... It's in early spring. So how can one morning determine, well, you know, four to six weeks? The the interesting thing is we're talking about one groundhog in I know. one town in Pennsylvania is supposedly predicting 
what Winter's going to do across the country? Is that right? I mean, yeah, I know. <laughs> well, we... I, know, I know there's other representatives for for Groundhog Day though at different different places. In the oh country. come on! In fact, when I, when well, I lived in Charleston and down South Carolina, they had uh, James Island Jim, I think, uh, which was a uh, actual groundhog, and the same thing would come out and they would figure out if it saw it. Uh, but I'm sure there's a lot of lot of localities or municipalities across the country that yeah have the same kind of also how accurate is this because if you look at these like groundhog at least in punxatawney you have so many cameras and so many lights shining on the on the groundhog (laughs) there's always going to be a shadow yeah yeah that's true the reason why it's because the groundhog supposedly gets scared from seeing its shadow, thinking it's mm. another, either a predator or another groundhog. So it runs back into its little burrow and it, yeah. it stays there for the rest of, I guess, winter. But that's not the way they said in the movie Groundhog Day, Mike. Oh, uh, no. Oh. The groundhog actually talked to the guy and told him what was going to happen. <laughs> oh, okay. You remember the part where he goes, yeah. oh, he, he started like chirping to him and they were both talking back and forth in the movie. Was this before or after he drove off a cliff with him? <laughs> Well, I don't know. Remember, he he lived every day again, so it was just uh, he was kind of doing that each uh, each uh, each episode or each each day. He would just do that so we could uh, live the next day. Uh, oh my goodness, man! Uh, that, we got that... time for a couple more out of that book, Mike, because uh, it seems a little. It's interesting, that's for sure. That book is interesting. Well, I mean, we got a we got a couple a uh, couple interesting ones here, so. Uh, when you hear the first frogs in the spring, the frost is on its way out. So, I mean, I guess these are the more frog... like little sayings more than, you know. Uh, well, that's uh, what folklores are, right? I mean, they're, they're well, saying, yeah. right? Well, they're they're, they're... blooded anyway. How the heck would they know? Well, it, I mean, <laughs> yeah. How, how does a frog know, Brad? I mean, you know. Well, all right. Let's a couple more. And then I think we're going to wrap it up. <laughs> Honestly, we can go on for the, another half hour, but I don't want to sure bore our listeners. So, yeah. Um, Let's uh, let me scroll through here and see what we got. Um, uh, okay, flies bite more before a rainstorm. Interesting. A lot of these I have never heard. I haven't either. But you know what? We have the book, and uh, and now we can tell <laughs> we our listeners this information book. that they're probably going to forget in the next week or two. But it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. It's a little tidbit that you're you're listening to. But apparently, the book says it's true because. Insects cling more to things when it's humid out. And supposedly when it's raining, you know, the humidity, the relative humidity is high. So there is any sort of flying insects and and there's a lot of moisture in the air. They will cling to things. And that's probably why you see mosquitoes when it's very humid out. They, uh, They tend to get attracted to humans or any sort of skin because I guess they like to latch onto it. So. That's a good. That's a good point you brought up because I have one uh, that I read about. Uh, spiders are spinning their webs. Look for dry weather ahead. So. Basically, what it's saying is they'll make their webs when the humidity is low because if it's higher, they don't want dew on their web and it could actually break the web. So they want dry weather, dry conditions uh, so they can create the web because spiders are, I guess, uh, they like to stay in their same spot. So, again, that could be something, you know, if you if you want a dry stretch of weather you, or you see a, a spider spinning a web and then maybe you got a, a good, good stretch of weather uh, ahead. So. Although I have seen spiders, I mean, maybe you just get those lost spiders, unfortunately, who don't know, who, who didn't get the memo when, you know, when they became a spider, you know, oh, you have to be on the ground. Because I have <laughs> seen, now I've seen spider webs so high up, so I don't know. But I, I could see the, the science behind it, at least. Yeah. All right. I have one more that's actually grounded in science. Okay. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> so you always hear people saying that um, lightning never strikes the same place twice, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yes. But actually, that lightning bolt will hit that same place several times when it goes down the, the leader from the cloud to the ground. Mm. It, it actually, if they, they play it in super slow motion, I've seen it several times. You could probably look it up on YouTube or something like that. Uh, lightning striking the same place or whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, it'll follow that same channel that is created of that electrical charge several times and it'll, and it'll release those um, charges. So, yeah, I've, I've watched it in super slow motion. It's been like three, four times, something like that. And, um, yeah, so just so you know, if you get hit by lightning, you're probably going to get hit about three or four times by the same <laughs> by the same stroke. Well, you so, would think some places, like, like the, uh, what is the world, um, uh, help me here, what is it, uh, in New York City? The Empire New State one. Building? Well, that one, too, and then the other one, the new one. Uh, Freedom Tower, you know, they have lightning rods and and they have gotten struck before a few times, you know, they can easily get struck twice in the same storm, but they're, they're, they're actually, you know, lightning, uh, lightning rods. Yeah, they have the lightning rods and things like that. Right, lightning rods so they can ground it. Yeah. I wouldn't, yeah, if I, yeah, if I saw lightning hit a tree, I'm not going to go run under that tree now and be like, oh, I can't get struck now. (laughs) It's already hit. (laughs) Yeah. And the other thing is, you know, uh, no snowflakes are the same. That's a true one, too. Yeah. You know, I could see that one. But what are you going to do? How are you going to prove it wrong? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're all going to have six sides because that's yeah. just basically the structure of the uh, H2O molecule that causes that to happen. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, they all form a different way when they when they do their uh, – when they freeze. So um, it's kind of like fingerprints. So that is kind of interesting hmm. how that works. Fingerprint of the atmosphere. There you go. Yeah, let's do it. Let's take fingerprints of every snowflake so <laughs> we could blame that snowflake for causing the storm. Well, you know, when we lose our jobs from the animals uh, forecasting, you oh, know, true. The, you know, because I mean, obviously, you know, squirrels can predict winters and, 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 and caterpillars can also too. So, hey, maybe we'll, uh, we'll start another job here and we'll just uh, start uh, <laughs> <There you go. laughs> looking at snowflakes under microscopes. I don't know. All right. Well, guys, I would think that about wraps it up for the folklore. Uh, I don't know if we need any more uh, any more little uh, tidbits from Mike's book from the 1400s. All right. Well, I'm I'm, I'm out of here, I guess. I'll see you guys. (laughs) Notice how how your book got older by centuries as the podcast went (laughs) on. Um, but, uh, uh, once again, guys, uh, you know, Hey, this is the end of our folklore podcast, but yeah, we got we uh, to come up with uh, some more fun topics like this. So, uh, yeah, if any, uh, any folks in the audience, you know, they want to hear us talk about, uh, some, some goofy weather things, you know, even, uh, on the occasional podcast, we'll definitely do it. No, absolutely. If you have ideas for a, uh, a podcast subject, certainly give us an email over at weatherlounge at weatherworksinc.com. That's the place to go if you want to drop us a line and uh, you know give us some ideas there. And you can tell us how we're doing, too, and uh, what you'd like to see different. Uh, we'll certainly accept that. But, um, yeah, again, every two weeks we'll have a new podcast out there. And uh, thanks, Brad, and thanks, Mike, for uh, being here with us on this podcast. And, um, again, you can find uh, The Weather Lounge on all your favorite podcasting platforms. And, as always, at podbean.com. And don't forget, weatherworksinc.com is the place to go to find out all about our company and what we do for our clients so until the next time guys uh thanks for visiting and thanks for listening and we'll see you soon